welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. Megan, it's about time we've talked about the health at every size also known as the Hayes Movement. Yeah, so I'm kind of wondering how many of our listeners have heard of this mm-hmm. prior to us talking about it. It's become very popular in the dietitian realm. So if you follow other dietitians or listen to other nutrition-related podcasts, you may have heard of Health at Every Size or Hayes. You know what's interesting to me is when I was in school studying dietetics, we never talked about haze or really even intuitive eating. Maybe it was brushed upon a little bit. And I graduated college in 2016, so it wasn't that long ago. And then it seems like I graduated, finished my internship, got out into the field, and all of a sudden haze blew up. And it seemed like so many dietitians that I had looked up to when I was in school, ones that I followed on social media platforms, were all about haze. And it always just rubbed me the wrong way, at least the way the message was delivered. And at first, I was almost, I don't want to say I was anti-haze, but it kind of angered me and I can't really explain why probably from my own issues when I learned about what Hayes actually was and the principles that health at every size was initially founded upon I could get on board but it seems like people who are really really active in the Hayes community have turned it into like this in whole entire political activism movement mm-hmm. and I just I just get like an icky feeling being associated with it. And that's why I would not at this time identify as a haze dietitian or promote haze or bring up haze to any clients. Yes, I think that I feel the same way. So when it gets brought up to me, I get this icky mm-hmm. feeling. But when you look into what the actual principles are and who the founders were and what they were trying to accomplish and kind of read between the lines, of course it's things that everybody would be behind. It's basically like being kind to one another and not hating yourself. Yeah. So like, cool, let's all do that, right? But then what muddies the waters is that people who have goals tend to be looked down upon Mm -hmm. as trying to change themselves and you shouldn't try and change yourself. Yes. So not that the health at every size, the official movement says anything about that, but it seems to be like the people that have taken this on as their cause tend to look down upon people or shame people for wanting to change or do things differently, if that makes sense. So let's like tell people what 
more about what health at every size yes. is and explain a little bit more about it. So I have the five principles listed here, and this is in their words. This is so so Hayes is trademarked, so this is coming from the Hayes website of what their five principles are. I'll summarize. Uh, one is weight inclusivity. So it's accepting and respecting that people have different body shapes and sizes, and it rejects the idolization of specific weights. So that just means we should accept each other because some of us are going to be naturally heavier set. Some people are going to have curvier hips. Some people are going to be taller, shorter, broader. We all just come in different shapes and sizes. There doesn't have to be one specific idea of what your body should look like. Awesome. Who wouldn't get on board with that these days, right? Uh, the second one is health enhancement, supporting healthy policies that improve and equalize access to information and services, uh, practices that improve human well-being, and include intention attention to physical, economic, social, spiritual, emotional, and other needs, helping everybody be healthy. Uh, another one is respectful care. So that's acknowledging that we all have biases, whether we're aware of them or not, and working to end weight discrimination, weight stigma, weight bias in workplaces. Um, but this is also going to provide information and services from an understanding that people of different socioeconomic backgrounds, races, genders, sexual orientations, ages, and identities are impacted by weight stigma. Uh, the fourth one is eating for well-being, so promoting flexible, individualized eating based on hunger, satiety, nutrition needs, and pleasure, rather than just eating for weight only. That's my favorite one. Yeah. I love that, because that's literally what we coach our clients every single day exactly on, right yeah and i think that's such a great point because you can eat for other reasons besides weight loss and i think that's what it comes down to i think some of our clients are surprised by that notion of that way of coaching um when they come in they kind of expect us to be like eat salads mm -hmm. all day every day and, and i'm like no like stop that bullshit chicken <laughs> breast with no skin no fat on your romaine lettuce salt. with fat-free dressing like ew no like you're not doing that yeah. oh my last client he had the greatest quote and he just made it up on the spot and I was like I'm totally stealing this so the way I was like explaining it to him and he was like okay so I need to focus on meal construction not meal reduction oh and I was like that is my new slogan <laughs> thank you sir <laughs> But that's exactly what we, we yeah. coach our clients to. So, again, like, agree, great, yay, cool. happy, awesome, let's hold hands and clap and sing songs. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> In a similar uh, similar vein, the fifth principle is the same thing, but with physical activity. It's let's promote movement, exercise, and health-promoting physical activity without trying to make the end goal revolve around changing your body composition so go out and play tennis because you love tennis not because you're trying to burn 400 calories okay so we got all five of those principles that we agree with yeah right we're on board i can't really debate any of them okay so what's the problem i have a couple problems <laughs> <laughs> the first problem i have is goes back to what you were saying which is why is it wrong to poo-poo on somebody who wants to change their body composition? <laughs> and this is why I have an issue with it. Not because I want everyone to, to lose weight for the sake of having a goal to be better. Or they always feel like their body composition needs to be better. I have a problem with it because who am I? Who are you? Who is anybody to say that somebody should or should not try to change their own physical body? It is not my right to look at somebody who, let's just assume is a just a person that isn't dealing with, you know, pregnancy or eating disorder history. Like, there's going to be exceptions. But for the general population who 
does not meet those exceptions, who am I to tell them like you should not pursue weight loss? And I can see a lot from this community, at least from their social media presence, that if you're a part of Haze and then you decide that you want to lose weight or change your body composition by means of changing your diet or exercise, you get almost exiled from the group. It's mm-hmm. become very hateful, which to mm-hmm. me is con- is a little bit contradictory to the entire movement. Because if you read the principles and what it's founded upon, it's very accepting. You get the warm, fuzzy feels. Yeah. And then it gets evil. Yeah. And then it's, it's like things that I was finding, like being very against like things like before and after pictures and not necessarily like showing you before and showing you after but like these are things that my life was like before and then this is how my life is now like showing that your life is better now because of how you've changed like they seem to be very against that Mm -hmm. and when I say they who I'm referring to is like the people who are really behind this movement that are very active in social media and I read that and then what I thought of is one of my clients who she has lost a hundred pounds now and every time we talk we talk about how different her life is Mm -hmm. now and one of the big thing like she sent me a text the other day she got on a plane and she said this so this is what it's like to not have to ask for a seatbelt extender Mm -hmm. when you get on a plane and she's a lot happier not carrying around a hundred extra pounds Mm -hmm. and that is the truth Mm -hmm. and that is not something that anybody can or should deny her Mm -hmm. she got off that plane she was in utah having a great time she went to an orange theory class when she was there cool the client that i know that was a hundred pounds more would have absolutely 100 percent never even walked into Mm -hmm. a gym let alone something like an orange theory where most people in there are super freaking fit um, she loves it. She mm. had a great time. She like put a selfie and like <laughs> it, her life is completely different mm-hmm. and different in a way that's bringing her more happiness. So who are you to say that changing your body shape won't make your life better? Or who are you to say that you are not allowed to do that because you have to accept everyone as they are? I don't, I think that needs to be worked into those principles yeah in some way like let's also accept the people who aren't happy where they are right now because not everyone is and a lot of the times like of course we don't want people to focus on getting to a specific weight we want them to focus on the behaviors Mm -hmm. and so if focusing on those behaviors that are making them happier healthier people then result in a different weight yes fine we're not about the weight we're about those behaviors Mm -hmm. if that changes the body then it changes the body cool that was beautifully said. That was so Thanks. poetic, Megan. <laughs> and I couldn't agree more. I think what's missed a lot in the conversation about Hayes, or, you know, acceptance, fat acceptance is what we'll call it, is living a full life and what that means. And when you are carrying around 100 pounds, which the human body is not designed to do effectively, <clears throat> it can do it, but it can't do it effectively, then what are you missing out on? And what things are slowing you down? What kinds of things are you being slowed down by? When you can't, I always remember this one client I had, she was amazing. Her family would go on these hikes together and she couldn't because she weighed too much. She had trouble going to the mailbox and it was a big accomplishment for her once she was able to walk to the mailbox. 
I get a text from her just a month ago. I sent it to you. She had lost all of this weight by changing her diet and she did have to change her diet. And now she moved to Nashville or not Nashville in Tennessee, lives in the mountains and goes on hikes with her daughter and her, and her husband. And it's like, oh, she physically couldn't do that because she didn't have the strength or the capacity to carry that much weight and go on hikes and her little daughter and her husband they love that and so now she can join in the family and live a more full and enriching life that she physically couldn't Mm -hmm. and if that wasn't important to her if what was important to her was not being part of her family's physical activities then maybe she would be happier at a bigger size but i doubt it because i've never encountered somebody who was morbidly obese and was really, really happy and satisfied with that for a long time. And in fact, the clients that I have had who have brought up this conversation with me and the things I've read on social media about people who were a part of Hayes and decided to leave Hayes, their account was, I was getting a good, feel-good moment from being in Hayes. It made me feel really empowered until it didn't. It was like a little dopamine hit of being like, oh yeah, like here I am, I'm part of this group, let's fight the power, let's fight the stigma. But at the end of the day, when you close your phone, you close your laptop, and you're in your own head again, and you're in your own body, in your own space, how do you really feel about yourself? And what are you missing out on? And what are the thoughts going through your head? And if you're consistently thinking about how you wanna change, but you're part of a group that makes you feel like that's wrong, That really sucks because then you can't be the person you want to be and you can't live the life that you fantasize about. And I think what the proponents of Hayes would say to that is that they are happier because the world that we live in now are not accepting of people Mm -hmm. in larger bodies. So, for example, on the plane, if seatbelt extenders were available in a way that you didn't have to embarrass yourself by asking Mm -hmm. for them Mm -hmm. or that you weren't automatically looked down upon for doing that or that you weren't looked down upon for walking into a gym and being in a larger body then they people in larger bodies would automatically be happier and not feel like they had to change their bodies Mm. in order to do that Mm -hmm. my argument to that would be just a purely physical argument from the standpoint of just my client that just walked out the door we were talking about wearing our babies and like those front backpacks and he was saying how he's like well you don't have an extra layer of space between you and the baby Mm -hmm. so if you have a belly the further the baby gets away from you the less like the the more strain it is on your back so it's like picking something up with your arm at arm's length versus picking something up when it's closer to you it's a lot harder to pick something up at arm's length yeah and so things like that are just physically harder in a larger body and so by decreasing that amount of space in between him and the baby those walking trips with the baby get a lot easier so there is an aspect of this that is just purely physical when you can't bend down and tie your shoe or you can't bend down and Mm -hmm. touch your toes like those things affect you on the day-to-day it's not necessarily just how things are perceived of course like there is fat stigma like people you'll look at i mean there's stigma for everything exactly yes there's gonna be stigma for everything and that does exist and i'm not saying that that's not horrible like yeah if you're in a larger body that doesn't mean that you're lazy that doesn't mean that you're not fit that doesn't mean that you're not healthy right like which goes back to Hayes, right? It goes back to their principles. It's like, okay, regardless of the body that you are born in, you should be doing and thinking about doing healthy behaviors. You should still want to eat nutrient-rich foods and still move your body and try to fight stigmas of, of 
oppressed populations is what I'm trying to say. Yes. But there's going to be downsides to any kind of classification that you're in. I mean, let's just think about being a woman. We have to give birth, right? Like, that sucks. I mean, that's just a very simple example, first thing that comes to my mind. It's unfair, but it's kind of just, like, the thing that happens. Like, we're the gender that gives birth, and we go through that. And if you are overweight and obese and you can't physically do certain things because that's the way things are, then that's the way things are, but you can change it or you can do things to try to change it, and that shouldn't be shamed. Yeah. I, I think I, that made sense. No, it did. It, it agreed. It, it's, I think the overall premise of, I think, my stance is that it's not your weight mm-hmm. that matters. It's the behaviors mm-hmm. that matter. So, yes, I've had clients who people would look at and say, okay, this person is in a larger body. Mm-hmm that eat way healthier than I do Mm -hmm. and work out Mm -hmm. way more than I do. And they're in a larger body Mm -hmm. and that happens and that's normal. Mm -hmm. And I would love for people to not look at that person Mm -hmm. and just say, oh, you should eat less fast food. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I haven't eaten fast food in 12 years. Like, no, like people just look at me and assume that. Mm -hmm. I wish that wasn't a thing. But at the same time, I've had way more clients the majority of my clients who do have things in their life that they want to change or work on or do differently to make them a healthier, happier person that then results in them having a smaller body. Do you think it'd be accurate to say that a better way to approach this would be to say that you could be unhealthy at any size? What I think about... (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, a lot of these people who are in haze who feel, oh, you know, everyone looks at me in, in, in my, my larger body and makes assumptions about me. I've heard the same thing from people who are in very naturally slim bodies. And yes, I think the society set up in that they favor that and there might be some privilege and the accusations may not be as hurtful. Like you may look at a really thin, small, petite individual and just assume that they don't eat much or they eat really healthy or that they're mm-hmm. really happy. But you and I have both had clients who come in who are looking to increase their body size because they are living really unhealthy lifestyles in a smaller body. I had this one client who just didn't really want to eat. She was struggling a lot with IBS, but no one really knew that. And she was so stressed out. She was so high strung. She had a lot of anxiety. The only thing that she really enjoyed eating was white bread folded up with peanut butter, jelly, and cheddar Doritos inside. So she was literally eating yeah, yeah, I know. And and she liked um, Capri Suns. So she was a grown woman eating like a, a child with literally no nutrients, felt horrible, had terrible digestion. She just was naturally slim from genetics and then hardly eating many calories because she's had so much anxiety that she had no appetite. So I would argue that compared to a lot of clients that I've had in larger bodies and, and myself, who was significantly larger than this woman, we live healthier lifestyles than her but we live in larger bodies. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's more accurate to say like anybody big or small, medium could be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You don't know the whole story. And how do you define healthy? I think that's a big question. What is healthy? I ask my clients that all the time. Somebody might tell me it's their metabolic health. Like, oh, you know, I have my blood labs all check out. I don't have high blood sugar. I don't have any chronic diseases. I'm healthy. Cool. Somebody else might identify health or define health as, oh, I'm in physically good condition. I'm fit. I can run a mile in 10 minutes. I can do this many push-ups. 
and somebody else might say, I just feel really good. I have a lot of energy. I feel vivacious. Mm -hmm. So what is healthy? Mm -hmm. Well, it depends how you, how you define it. And then you can say, well, maybe this person who is in a larger body who has a BMI of 40 is healthy if they feel good versus somebody who might be, you know, underweight but have a lot of metabolic issues. Yeah, I think the great premise of that is that we we do need to realize that health and the way that someone looks should be completely divorced. Yeah. Like, th- those two things are not mm. mutually exclusive. I would say weight. Because you can look at somebody mm-hmm. who has thinning hair or maybe they have sagging skin or brittle nails and maybe you can just see right off the bat they're not healthy because they're either malnourished or they have liver cirrhosis or something. So I would say looks, sometimes you can look at someone and see that they're unhealthy, but then you can see someone in a larger body who has glowing skin and healthy strong nails and they you can see muscle tone and they just move in a different way. Okay, they might, they could be healthy. You don't really know. Right, but that's why I think we need to divorce those two concepts to be able mm-hmm. to just look at someone and make an assumption. Yeah. And so that person that you see that has, like, dark circles under their eyes and their hair looks like shit, maybe they just didn't sleep last mm-hmm. night, but everything else is fine. True. Or a good example of this are the bodybuilding competitors. Oh, yeah. So, like, if you look at someone that maybe in the 90s would be, people would think of, like, as the picture of health with the... 25 pack abs and huge <laughs> biceps and all that like those people aren't really very healthy <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you would think that but for the things that they have to do to get up there on the stage and if you talk to them afterwards like especially mentally mm-hmm. they're probably not in a great place and we've worked with a lot of former competitors that are just totally screwed up in the head about food and yo-yo dieting and blowing up and gaining a ton of weight and then dropping it all again in very short periods of time so i think that concept of like judging someone on their health by the way that they look we need to look deeper Mm -hmm. into it should we should be looking at behaviors not necessarily looks Mm -hmm. and there's also a very gray line between what is scientifically supported as healthy and what that individual's perception of healthy is. So if you look at the science, we can see that when somebody has a lot of excess body fat and low muscle tone, their odds of developing a chronic disease like diabetes, cancer, blood sugar issues, blood pressure, cardiac issues, earlier rates of mortality, those numbers go up and there's a lot of literature to support that. However, if someone's 30 years old and they haven't experienced those things yet, maybe their way of defining health is different that don't quite match up with what the scientific literature describes. They're more at risk of those things, of course, but maybe they haven't gotten to that point yet. So what's healthy to them? And if healthy to that 30-year-old is being able to run a mile or walk a mile without running out of breath or being able to fit into a certain size pants or whether it's to be able to be able to ride the roller coasters at Disneyland because they meet the the weight criteria. Well, if that's their goal, if that's what's healthy to them, shouldn't they structure their behaviors in a way to meet those specific goals that align with their definition of healthy if they don't quite resonate with the scientific medical definition? And I think we've done a better job in the past 10 years or so nutrition-wise of recognizing people as individuals Mm -hmm. 
versus here's this blanket recommendation that everybody needs to eat this certain mm -hmm. way. I think people are on board with that mm -hmm. now. We recognize that not one diet is going to fit everybody and we really need to use nutrition as mm -hmm. an individualized science. I think where we're behind is looking at someone's overall health mm -hmm. as like this only may like we're looking at your blood sugars have to be within this range your blood mm -hmm. pressure has to be within this range you your weight has to be within this range you have to have this bmi and if you hit all of these markers then that means you are an individual healthy person mm -hmm. and i think what we find is there people are all over the board and we need to define health just like we define nutrition as individualized mm -hmm. i think health needs to be individualized as well yeah for example if we have someone that comes in that has had type 1 diabetes since they were seven years old their definition of health it may be a little bit different totally and for example like someone who's never been within a normal bmi range when i have people that come in and they're like all i want is for my bmi to be normal and mm -hmm. i'm like has your bmi ever been quote mm -hmm. normal in that normal range and like no i'm like maybe that just doesn't make sense for yeah. you and so it's, I have I have one woman who I think she's at like a 26 or 27 right now BMI and she's just like when it, like she came back to me because she's in a good good spot and then she wanted to work together again because she's like I really want to get in that normal BMI range but she has an amazing routine going on right now like mm -hmm. she's active she eats well and I'm like does this make sense for you? Mm -hmm. Like, why do we need you to lose an extra 10 pounds and kill yourself doing it? I actually don't think the behaviors to get another 10 pounds off of your body are going to be healthy behaviors mm -hmm. that you can maintain. Can you do it? Yes. Will it make you healthier? No. Mm -hmm. And so your entire point of wanting to be a healthier person, so you go into the doctor, so you fit into this range, so the doctor will no longer be like, you're fat, lose weight. That's what she wanted out of that is actually accomplishing the opposite. She's mm -hmm. actually not healthier, not going to be a healthier person by doing those behaviors that are going to help her lose an extra 10 pounds. It doesn't actually matter. So mm -hmm. I think that individualized definition of health needs to become more popularized and not make people feel like they have to fit into a certain box mm -hmm. just to be healthy. And I think the Health at Every Size movement supports that aspect of things of like individualized health and rejecting the notion of your bmi needing to be in a certain place and i like that part of it me too <clears throat> i had a thought and it just escaped me oh i think it, what you're saying that i was thinking of is let's stop making it so numerical and start asking more broad questions as healthcare professionals mm. asking our patients our clients what do you want to accomplish? What is healthy to you? What is important to you in your life? Okay, are you fulfilling those things? Are you doing those things? Are you accomplishing those things? What in your day-to-day -day routines are getting in the way of that? And how can we change that so you can accomplish those health-related goals? I was also thinking about how one of the issues with haze that I think maybe, I think it's talked about, but not so much in the nutrition realm, is how with a lot of these bold movements they get a little political and i find that when people really align strongly with a political side one way or the other they take a side and they take a team and the team has a, bi a bias and i find that a lot of people may be affiliated with some kind of political group and they just take on the conception of of that group so i'm dancing all around the words here if you can't tell but 
when I see online people who are really strong advocates of haze, they also tend to be really strong advocates of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be more of a social justice movement. And when people feel really passionately about a certain topic, it's not uncommon where they will spread misleading information to support their point. Meaning, if they're saying, oh, no, you can be morbidly obese and be really healthy. They might say those kinds of things and then just pull out some personal antidotes to support that. For instance, there's this Instagram influencer named Tess Holiday. She's really popular in this industry. She's been on the cover of Cosmopolitan and People Magazine, and she lives in a very large body. And she is very, very loud online about owning your body, being accepting of it, etc. Cool, fine, that, that's great. The body acceptance part's awesome. However, where I have an issue is where she starts talking about like, look at me, I'm so healthy, there's nothing wrong with me. I She'll show a clip of her exercising and say, look, I'm healthy. Okay, we don't really know that because you don't, I don't know. I, I think it's just kind of misleading information because she's not using any science to support what health is. She's just like, look at me, I'm, I'm walking. Does that make sense? I think I kind of went on a tangent there. It does, but it goes back to, like, what does health mean to right. her? Right. So, like, exactly. if she's, like, if she's in a great mental space and she's happy with the way that her body moves, then, okay, like, I guess, cool. Are you, like, show me your metabolic markers. Like, are you healthy? Okay, cool. Like, if you're, if you're happy where you are, great. But the, it goes along the lines of, like, it's not like gay marriage. Like, I don't care what you do. Yeah. If you're happy, yeah. great. Like, so it's it's kind of like the same thing with health at every size. Like, accept people as they are for who they are. Why does it matter to you? Mm-hmm. If they're happy, they're happy. Yeah. I agree. But if someone is coming to me that wants help getting healthier and wanting to make changes... I'm not going to deny them that. Right. Which is where a lot of the health at every size advocates would say, I am doing a disservice to that person by making them promises that they're going to feel better by doing certain things or wanting to change their body. So an argument to someone who is promoting fat acceptance to a degree where, you know, they are morbidly obese. The the argument that I can hear people saying is, well, what is that? yeah we don't care what you do but how does that affect everybody else what's the cost that the collective if if one third of americans are obese and overweight what's the cost healthcare wise what's that costing taxpayers what's that what's the overall environment doing to support those kinds of people and how is that affecting everybody else Mm -hmm. and i'm not educated enough to really know the numbers on how much it costs people but i can see that argument as well and i feel like it just becomes this whole fight of let me do this and let me do that who cares i do this but the consequences of that and the line is so blurred but i do think when i i mean this is just how i feel when i look at someone like tess holiday have you ever seen her Mm -mm. before um she's very 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 large you know i'll be my own jamie right there you go yeah jamie pull that shit up um I think there is kind of, when you look at someone, there is almost a threshold where you can say, like, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, you you are engaging in health behaviors, as Hayes does, as there's video and photo evidence. But I don't think someone becomes morbidly obese by doing that most of the time. But it's their life, so that's fine. But then they shame other people for wanting to lose weight, which, of course, is the issue. Well, and I also think, too, that we have to ask like how did she get to that Mm -hmm. point Mm -hmm. 
as well and what are the behaviors that it's I just really think we need to like ask about the behaviors Mm -hmm. like put an emphasis on the behaviors not necessarily on the looks or the weight or the numbers like the emphasis just needs to be on the behaviors overall I think that's what everybody wants Mm -hmm. and I think they're like we're not the people that are against the Hayes movement that are like Hayes just means everybody's giving up. <laughs> like, there are those people out there that are like, well, fat acceptance just means everybody gave up. No. Like, I don't think that. No, I don't really know. That I think at it's all. A, like, yeah. th- those oh. are just, like, I feel like those are like the old white guys behind their computer <laughs> that are like, you're not healthy either. You're eating Starbucks every day for breakfast. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not how, what we're saying or the, the point that we're getting at. But I think the point that we're getting at is like, allow us to still do our jobs (laughs) (laughs) i think that's great too and i I, maybe sometimes i take things a little bit personally with this stuff and i'm sure it's just a reflection on me but when i see someone like that the people that are saying the the loud intense messages the ones that are very controversial are definitely the loud minority and i agree i don't think most people feel that way i don't think most people are saying like i'm going to just be okay feeling and looking like this and and shaming other people for wanting to change like i'm gonna do me if i'm happy this way fine but there most people aren't shaming other people Mm -hmm. and you know i think about it this is like the case with anything that's online primarily when a movement's hosted online no one's saying these things to other people's faces it's all behind a keyboard so i can't imagine i'm sure it happens but i think most people if you told them that you were trying to lose weight or trying to change your body, that person isn't going to yell at you or shame you for that. Same with us. I think if we tell people like, oh yeah, we help people with their weight loss goals, no one's going to be like, you're supporting weight stigma and weight bias. And I don't think people would really yell or feel that passionate about it in person. Mm-hmm. It's when they are reading a bunch of things online and getting emotional, kind of like they're in a virtual town square where everyone's just protesting and yelling and holding up their you know, stakes with their signs that people get very, very passionate. And they, they're not afraid to just shame everybody online because they're protected by the keyboard. I'm going to say something that might be controversial, and I may be wrong here, but I'm open to changing my opinion. The dietitians that are behind this health at every size movement. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's kind of a cop-out. Because uh, yeah. guess what? They don't have to help people accomplish anything shit you know how hard it is to help (laughs) someone lose weight yeah they don't they they're okay i'll just help you to like be happy i don't know like okay cool like you said what i was accomplishing anything by doing that and here's the the weird thing about this is i've never seen a dietitian in a larger body coach that it's all super skinny fit looking women who are supporting the fat acceptance health at every size movement which yes people of all bodies are able to get behind these movements but it just seems sketchy to me and salesy to me that what they're they're selling acceptance to people who have just wanted to be accepted for their whole lives and they're making them pay for that yeah, go see a therapist is what I think. Now, yeah. you said exactly what I was thinking earlier is, is like, the fat acceptance haze. I mean, it, I'm going to swallow my words. I don't mean fat acceptance. I think that the the whole a lot of the movement is definitely just a moment of feeling good, like a Band-Aid. Kind of like 
like an ice cream cone after a long day. Like you feel good in the moment, and then afterward you're just sort of like, yeah, I feel kind of, I still feel shitty. I still had a long, stressful day at work, and things still suck. And I think that's a lot of what those health at every size dietitians sell. They sell a feel good movement that helps you kind of forget about the things that you deal with on a day to day basis or those struggles that have maybe really, maybe really have harmed you for a long time mentally. But from my experience of just what I've seen, and this is just my lens, when I've had a client come in who solely just wants to accept themselves, which barely happens. I don't really feel like I help them that much. I'm like, what? Do, you know what I mean? Like, I can help you eat healthier if that's your goal and, and figure out ways to feel better. But if you need help just feeling better about who you are and your body, yeah, I can give you a lot of valuable information. But I don't think that's my it's zone of genius. Yeah, I think that's you need to see wheelhouse. a mental health counselor. And that's what I would say about that. And But I will say that if you really want to feel good about yourself, no matter if it has to do with your health activities or if your work activities or your family activities doesn't matter when you want to feel good about yourself if you work hard and you set goals and you do challenging things and you solve problems or you have a purpose and every single day or most days you do something worthwhile that makes you feel good Mm -hmm. and -hmm. it doesn't have to do anything with weight or fitness again behaviors yeah it's it goes back to the behaviors not the size of the numbers Mm -hmm. and i've had how many clients that i've had that if they walk through that door, anybody would be like, oh, wow, like, she is fit and she is healthy that are Not absolutely losing their freaking minds every single day and counting every single calorie and just completely obsessed and hate their bodies mm-hmm. and hated their bodies 10 years ago when they weighed 10 pounds less and hate their bodies now yeah. and have always hated their bodies and have a terrible body mm. image and... I can work with them on the behaviors that are going to make them a healthier individual and try and work with them on decreasing guilt around food and all of that. But body image wise, one of the things we have to recognize is like, it didn't matter what size you were ever, you still hated yourself. And you still look back on pictures from 10 years ago and say, why did I hate myself Mm -hmm. now? Dietitians aren't the person to go to Mm -mm. for that. Mm -mm. Nope. We can be part of the team, but we're not going to be able to address that specific issue. Yeah. What you said reminds me of one of my daily accountability program clients. She's been through everything. She grew up in a naturally, I would say, like, average-sized body, mid-sized, I don't know. But she had never really struggled with weight to a degree in her adolescence. And then she had um, three kids, and one of the kids committed suicide. And throughout her life, she became morbidly obese, got gastric bypass surgery, went back to, I guess, what you would call a healthy body size, and became a long-distance athlete. So she's obsessed with running. In all of the body phases, or all the body sizes that she's been through, her relationship with food has been absolute shit. Like, she binged eat, she emotionally eat, she was obsessed over everything, she's obsessed over every single pound. It didn't really matter if she was obese or if she was healthy and running 15 miles every three days. She still had a really bad relationship with food and her relationship with food would not be, in her definition or mine, healthy. And so it really took a lot of behavior change around food to help her become healthy and have a healthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. But one thing I'll never forget, she told me because she was reading an intuitive eating book she was reading about Hayes and I learned about it and she said, I can tell you what, I 
when I was obese, I mean, I wish I had her exact words pulled up, but she told me when I was obese, I did not feel good. I felt like shit. Everything hurt. It was miserable. So she was still dealing with some of the mental pain and some of that emotional pain, but physically she felt better and she was better able to address some of those mental issues and stresses that were weighing really heavily on her because she was able to exercise and we know from studies that exercises does release feel-good chemicals, neurotransmitters in the brain. And so it was like, okay, yeah, she wasn't happy with her relationship with food in the beginning. And she wasn't, when she first started working with me in, in DAP, she wasn't having a good relationship with food either, even though she was quite thin. However, she felt better when she was active and engaging in those healthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. And do you think it's hard because um, we're not big health at every size advocates so in that instance or in the instance that i'm thinking about a specific client who was in a lot of pain when we first started working together and he's in a pretty good routine now and he works with the trainer three times a week and him and his wife are going on walks in the evenings and he started packing his lunch and they're doing din- a meal kit together for for dinners and these behaviors have led him to a space where he's lost weight and he isn't having as much pain and I remember the very first time he came in he doesn't seem like an emotional person at all and he had tears in his eyes when he was describing when Mm -hmm. I said like what motivates you why are you here and he just said I am in so much pain Mm -hmm. and I'm so tired of Mm -hmm. being in so much pain what would an advocate say to that would they say you need to accept yourself (laughs) Mm -hmm. as you are or would they say it's okay for you to want to be in a smaller body so that you don't have pain? Maybe they would just go back to like it's the behaviors that matter and if you end up being in a smaller body from those behaviors then okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm I not sure. Know. That's cuz it gets it's gray. I think when you think about how the body is designed, our joints aren't supposed to be carrying hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And I think it puts pressure and it causes pain. And that sucks. I can't imagine living that way. And that was one of the... He had... He said it. He was like, you know, I've gone and I've gotten MRIs and I've gotten x-rays and I've gotten all this stuff done. And the doctor just kind of sat down with me and he said, there's nothing physically wrong with you Mm. other than the excess weight Mm. that you are carrying around every day. I was talking to this guy at my golf lesson the other night and he's getting a second hip replacement and he's in his mid-30s. There's no way he's older. And he was telling me how he told, he's like, it's crazy. I've lost 40 pounds just by eating whole real foods. And I'm surprised by how much I enjoy them. And he's like, it feels so much better. And now he's out there like playing golf. And he's like, yeah, I have to get my second hip replacement, but I'm hoping that now I don't have to get a knee replacement. And I was like, oh, like that's freaking expensive. And it sucks because now he's like out from recovery after surgery. Mm-hmm. He can't do all of these things he wants to do. Can't get out there and play golf because he had a hip surgery and he was he didn't say directly it was because i was overweight but he immediately just went in the conversation about how he'd lost weight so i put two and two together but it is it's it's one of those things like well humans are designed not to be carrying that much excess body fat we're supposed to be mobile we're supposed to be walking around Mm, that's just facts i don't think you can really argue that i think there's exceptions but how many you know 95 year olds do you see who are morbidly obese or people who are in their 60s and 70s who are living really 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 active lives doing all these fun things playing pickleball or mm-hmm. shuffleboard and then they're also carrying around 200 extra pounds so i think all that to say like let's 
not shame people that are in larger bodies. Let's not judge people that mm. are in larger bodies, but that's also not judge people in any body who are wanting to engage in healthier mm. behavior. So if you have a friend in a larger body who wants to make dinner at home instead of going out to a restaurant, instead right. of saying like, just, you know, be happy with yourself and accept yourself as you are, like, if they want to engage in those healthier behaviors, like, be supportive of that, mm-hmm. too. So, I think, all in all, like, our message is be supportive of people where they are and help them along the way mm-hmm. if they want to engage in healthier behaviors. Don't make them feel lesser because they want better for themselves. Mm-hmm. And better for themselves equals changing behaviors that are going to lead them mm-hmm. to feel happier and healthier overall. Agreed. And if you're someone who really does live what you define as a healthy lifestyle, like you were talking about with your clients who you like your routine and you eat whole nutritious foods and you exercise and you just feel really good, don't start to beat yourself up if you have a friend who lives in a smaller sized body. I've had clients tell me stories about how they compare themselves to naturally thin friends and they just berate themselves and shame themselves and second guess everything that they're doing because oh, so-and-so must be doing all these other things if they're thin, but here I am, quote-unquote, busting my balls, and I'm not changing body weight the same way. Well, I'm like, well, do you really know how your friend's eating? Do you really know what she's dealing with? Maybe she was dealt a different hand of cards, and mentally she's really struggling, or maybe she has really low self-esteem, or maybe her relationship with her family isn't as strong as yours, or maybe she's really lonely. You don't know what someone's going through, and her life could be behind the scenes really really unhealthy so don't try to strive for somebody else's body when you're doing you and you're happy with it mm-hmm. yep this was an intense conversation but i like it <laughs> i like it because it does it makes you think and there's so many things going on online i think if you're listening to this and you're listening to podcasts about haze i'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast you probably searched haze and you're trying to get more information about it don't be afraid to close the computer close social media go take a walk silently and really think about what you believe and don't just absorb things that you're reading it's okay to disagree with loud voices or influential people it's okay to have different opinions than your friends but really think about what you want in your life, what's important to you, and then compare that to how you're living your life. You don't have to listen to all these people online spouting their their own personal beliefs. And I think from our end, what we can do is continue to support people in their individualized mm-hmm. definitions of health and promote that within our industry, promote that within the physicians that we talk to or any kind of health professional that we talk to, to promote people having their own definitions Mm -hmm. of health and happiness yep without restrictive dieting (laughs) just slap that on there because we can hear it already (laughs) cool well guys if you have any feedback about this episode i'm curious i would love to know what people think about this yeah if you're fired up shoot us a message like i'm totally open to changing opinions this is just kind of where i am Mm -hmm. with the movement and i don't really go down internet rabbit holes of course like I, we both did some research leading mm-hmm. up to this and i think at its core all of these principles we agree with mm-hmm. it's just the noise online mm-hmm. surrounding it that we don't necessarily love yeah agreed do we have a healthy or not 
Oh, should we say face? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of um. No potatoes. Oh yeah, potatoes. Did you see my TikTok about potatoes? I didn't watch what? it. It's on our own page. <laughs> I posted it like three days ago. You jerk. I got on my soapbox about potatoes. I love potatoes. Okay, white potato. Is it healthy or not? I'm not gonna say it's not. Okay, healthy again. If we're gonna define healthy, I think potatoes get a bad rap. Mm-hmm. I think people when they come in here they're like i just i know i shouldn't eat white carbs like potatoes but potatoes to me are very satiating and that when i eat a baked potato that is pretty simple and true to form i feel really full for a long time and i'm not going to go back in the cupboard and keep snacking but my analogy with potatoes is if someone says all potatoes are bad it's kind of like saying all men are bad but then only dating really toxic narcissistic rude men okay that's like potatoes that are french fries right if you fry them in fat and you cover them in a bunch of salt and you slice them really thin so that they're easy to overeat and then you dunk them in sugar sauce like ketchup or aioli it's full of saturated fat okay well then maybe that potato isn't healthy anymore but if you bake a potato with a little olive oil and you eat that with your salmon and broccoli pretty healthy yeah, I would agree. So, like, let's... I explain it, like, if we think about where a potato comes from, like, it comes from the ground. It just grows from the ground. So, mm-hmm. what are the things you're going to do to that potato? Mm-hmm. So, as close as it can stay to how it occurs in nature, the better it's going to be for you. Now, when you are eating a potato chip, it's gone through a process of 9,000 different things to then turn into a potato mm-hmm. chip, and it no longer resembles that thing that grew from the ground. Mm-hmm. So... Good things about a potato, super high in potassium. Potassium is something that everyone is lacking. Hardly anyone is reaching their potassium needs Mm -hmm. every single day. Um, It's got high in fiber. Again, like hardly anyone is reaching the amount of fiber that they should be eating in a day. So if you love baked potatoes and you have previously cut them out, like that's an easy way to get those two nutrients feel really satisfied and eat something that you really enjoy cheap it's cost effective it's shelf stable there are so many benefits to potatoes i'm potatoes biggest fan and some people say like oh it has to be a sweet potato no it doesn't no it doesn't (laughs) yeah Uh, to me like potato if you were getting a test grade potato is an a sweet potato is an a plus you really care (laughs) like you really care about that extra do you have to get a 97 or the 95 okay yeah exactly because the sweet potato a little more vitamin a cool but i i think another thing is how much of that potato are you eating? So if, so if you're really worried about blood sugars or your weight control, you're probably not eating four ba- baked potatoes, but you have a bag of potato chips or a box of French fries or tater tots, you might be eating the equivalent of four potatoes and you don't make a dent. That's very true. So like a whole potato, think about how many potato chips that makes and then how like small and yeah. then how much oil is on top of that. Yeah. Okay, so potatoes healthy unless there's a million different processes they're going through before they get to your plate right agreed all right potato foe yeah (laughs) you see that yeah that was on that was on the like you know i watch all of you (laughs) (laughs) i love you more than you love me (laughs) everyone go watch my tiktok (laughs) and make megan feel bad (laughs) all right that's it if you have ideas or you have questions about healthy or nots we love to get those so dm us on instagram at nutrition.awareness see ya we hope you enjoyed this episode of the nutrition awareness podcast 
And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.